0: Tomorrow, right? We got the, uh, tomorrow is we're having the eclipse. Eclipse, a big deal. Uh, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's exciting to me. Now, some of you may have been around for the last one. I you know, haven't, but, uh, but it is exciting. And, and um, I was, I was kind of looking at things. There was, a, there was a total eclipse in 1806 that came across a part of the United States from the north, uh, uh, New England, down through that area. And, uh, and I was, when I was looking on the, on the internet, trying to find some stuff, I ran across, there's a website I've mentioned before called wallbuilders.com, David Barton. David Barton is a great Christian historian, fantastic Christian historian. Barbie and I've had the privilege of, of meeting him and talking with him and, and going on some of his tours of, uh, of the Capitol and in Washington. So I would recommend those of you history buffs and especially, Christian history and our, our heritage as a nation, you, you will lose a crop being on wallbuilders.com, but you may want to write that down. But I was on Wall Builders, and I ran across this sermon from 1806 by Pastor Joseph Lathrop. And uh, Joseph was pastoring a church in Massachusetts. He was in his 50th year as pastor of that church when he wrote this sermon. And the title of the sermon is uh, a reflection of the solar eclipse. And uh, the reason I'm sharing that, this is one of the best messages I've ever read in all my life, bar none. And uh, matter of fact, I've, I've got it to say so Barbie can read it and, and she, she don't read a lot of sermons but, but she's gonna love this. But uh, he wrote a, the reflection of the solar eclipse. And I want to, uh, I'm not gonna read a lot of it, but some of it's just too doggone good. So I wanna, let me read, let me read uh, a couple of things with you. And this is from, he goes on, he pastors this church for 10 more years after this, by the way, he pastors the church, same church for 60 years, but it's, it's awesome. He says, the stated course of nature, the order of the heavenly bodies, the change of day and night, and the regular succession of seasons, demonstrate the existence and providence, the wisdom, power, and goodness of God. Day unto day uttereth speech, night unto night showeth forth knowledge. God hath not left himself without witness in that he giveth rain and fruitful seasons and fills our hearts with food and gladness. But common appearances as they become more familiar are less impressive. Unusual phenomena though no less the effects of natural causes, more powerfully arrest the attention and more deeply affect the mind. The prophet, therefore, he's talking about the prophet Amos. The prophet Amos, therefore, predicting some dire calamities on the house of Israel, alludes to an unusual and solemn appearance in the skies, which probably they had lately seen, a total eclipse of the sun in the midst of a clear day. And then he quotes from, from Amos Thus says the Lord, I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. The phenomena which we beheld on Monday last, he, wrote, he was preaching this the Sunday after the total eclipse. The pho- phenomena which we beheld on Monday last will naturally lead us to understand the words as poetic descriptions of a solar eclipse. He continues. We see innumerable worlds rolling around us at vast but various distances with different and inconceivable speed. These all perform their motions with regularity and observe their times with exactness. They obey their destination. They keep their order. They never interfere. I thought of the summer camp theme answers. What a creator. What an awesome God. He continues. Shall we not fear the power, admire the wisdom, adore the goodness of that being who made and adjusted, who sustains and directs such a stupendous system. That's our God. What what an awesome, awesome God we serve. Well, you'll want to, you'll want to go. and look this up and find it. It'll it'll, it'll bless you. Uh, by the way, I, I was thinking about the eclipse, and um, and and I thought about darkness when Jesus when Jesus was crucified. Remember, there in the in the, the gospels tell the story that uh, after when he on, during crucifixion from from twelve o'clock to three o'clock, there was darkness over the whole earth. I had Craig. I said, okay, I want you to, to research this, but obviously it wasn't a, an eclipse because the darkness lasted for three hours. It wasn't a solar eclipse. It was a supernatural act of God and it wasn't just confined to a small band. What they say? The total eclipse is what, 60 or 70 miles of total eclipse and we're right in that, that's awesome. And then, the, and then those that are gonna see partial eclipse, maybe 100 or 200 miles, I don't know, somewhere in there. But the gospels tell us that when Jesus died, darkness was on the face of the whole earth for these three hours. Wow. I'm excited. I don't know what it's gonna be like. I don't know what you've got planned. Uh, when it's a big event like that, I, I, I automatically think of food. So I'm, I'm trying to talk, talk Barbie. It'd be a great day to cook, cook out, cook in, cook often, cook a lot. I just, just you know, we'll, we'll cook, we'll eat, we'll watch, and, and just see what, see what happens. Uh, it's exciting. Um, I gotta tell you this, so I was, uh, I was uh, on the way to, ch- to, to work Friday morning, on the way to church, and I was listening to one of the local channels, and, um, and, and I heard something about the eclipse. And, and I just, if people, I, I stayed in the road, but I was, I was just absolutely losing it with laughter. Uh, one of the guys was talking about the eclipse, and he said, he said By the way, he said, if, you know, you, you, you need to be, a lot of people are coming to the area to look to watch, but he said, you need to be sure that you register. To see the eclipse, or you won't be able to see it. And uh, and I just got that life. And he said, "You need to call if you haven't registered yet. Call your local chamber." Now, one of the gals there was at works at the chamber. He said, "If you haven't registered yet, call your local chamber and register, so you can see this phenomenon." And I am just cracking, cracking up. Well, anyway, knowing that 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 uh, a lot of things that we're excited. This is a this is a big event. This is bigger than when the torch came through for the Olympics. I'm gonna tell you, you know. And um, I'm praying, Lord, what, what do you, you want me to go to, do um, you want me to continue with our study? We're going through Matthew here as our church family. Or, or what else, or what, what do you want me to do? And, and I just got excited. I want to talk to you this morning about seeing the sun. Um, and we're going, we're, Lord willing, we'll be back in Matthew next Sunday. But I want to talk to you about seeing the sun, the son of God. And, uh, and as, we, as we look at that and, and, and knowing that, that God has given us not only signs in the heavens, but he's given us multiple displays of his power and of his greatness. And he wants us, he wants there to be no doubt that we know that he is an all-powerful God who loves us. Now, Romans chapter five, verse eight, makes it clear that his greatest demonstration of that love for us was for Son, giving His Son Jesus Christ. Romans 5, 8 said, But God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the good thing is, we don't have to have those special glasses to look to see the Son of God. But there are some things that can hinder us seeing Him. And that's what I want to mention to you this morning are three things that can really hinder us from seeing the Son. God's son, Jesus Christ. The first thing I wanna mention, if you'll turn with me to the book of Luke 19. We're gonna start with verse four. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was a chief among the publicans and he was rich. And he wanted to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, for the crowd, because Zacchaeus was a short fellow. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus because he knew that he was gonna be passing that way. There's a crowd that seems to always be blocking the view of who Jesus is. Zacchaeus was a, uh, he was a man that was, uh, he wasn't very well liked in his community, most likely because he was a publican, he was a tax collector, and he had amassed his wealth from collecting taxes. And the way that worked is the Romans put a quota, the tax collectors who, who worked in, in collusion with the Romans, not the Russians, but who worked in collusions with the Romans, they were given a quota, and they once they had met that quota to pay Rome, anything they collected above that, they kept. And it's, it was, it's obvious from this story that Zacchaeus had kept a lot. He had overcharged a lot. But Zacchaeus was a wealthy man, but he was a short feller. And I love this verse three when it says that he wanted to see Jesus. And the way King James says is that he sought to see Jesus who he was. He didn't just want to see him. But he want to understand, and no doubt, the, 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 by this time the word has spread and the stories have, have, have reached a lot of ears of this, of this teacher, the, this young teacher from, from up in the Galilee area and, and the signs that he's been doing. And some people are saying he's the Messiah. Others are saying, well, no, but he's a pretty good speaker. But the, but the fact that, that miracles have followed as he has taught and as he has went. And no doubt Zacchaeus has heard this. And Zacchaeus had more money probably than he could ever spend. He had all the material things, but there's one thing Zacchaeus, had, he had a longing and a hunger in his heart that nothing of the things he possessed had, could fill. And he wanted to see Jesus and he wanted to know who he was, but he couldn't see him because of the crowd. Now, There's a crowd of unbelievers and a crowd of scoffers that seems like they're always around to let us know how dumb it is to think that Jesus is the son of God. Oh, they'll concede, well, maybe he was a a prophet. Maybe he was a prophet that a lot of people took off with and, and really thought that he was something special, but he's probably no different than a lot of the other religious leaders of the religions of the world. But to think that he was God, You've got to be kidding me. And they're scoffers. They're a crowd that will keep you from seeing who Jesus is and, what he, and, and who he is. They'll keep you from seeing him. They're a crowd of partiers, I call it, that will keep you from seeing Jesus if you hang out with them. They don't want to see who He is, that He is the Son of God, and that at one day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that He is Lord of all, and that we all are gonna stand before Him and give an account of what we've, what we've done with Him. Have we received Him as God's gift? Or have we looked at Him and said, well, he, He's pretty to look at. Have we listened to His words and said, well, there's they're good sounding words to listen to? Or have we looked at Him in ridicule? And the party goers say, hey, don't get carried away with that. Come on, man, let's just go party. And so one party after another, and they try to put it out of their minds and ignore it, and they go through life partying. And all of a sudden, eternity finds them oftentimes unprepared. This crowd will keep you from seeing Jesus. There's a crowd that's living for themselves, but they're not really living at all. And this crowd in Jericho that day was keeping Zacchaeus from seeing Jesus who he was and Zacchaeus did something that you may have to do this morning Zacchaeus did something He took a risk. He took a chance Zacchaeus in his in his wealth and his pride Zacchaeus Did a daring thing he runs ahead of everybody. He thinks if they keep going down this road They're gonna pass and there's a bunch of sycamore trees up there and Zacchaeus runs ahead of everybody and he climbs up in the sycamore tree and in doing that the risk he took Because I am sure that there would have been more than than several people in the crowd that would have loved to have seen Zacchaeus perched up in that tree. Well, look up there at that old fuzzy squirrel. Look at him. You know, it's a good thing he's up there. If he was down here, we'd walk all over him. He risked ridicule. He risked being made fun of. He risked being uh, all these things happening to him because his desire to see Jesus outweighed the risk. And so he ran ahead, he got up in a sycamore tree. This morning, you may have to take and do something daring and do something risky if you wanna see Jesus. But it was worth it for Zacchaeus because when Jesus came by, he looked up in the tree and Jesus invited himself, he invited Zacchaeus down and then he invited himself to go home with Zacchaeus. And I'll tell you, if you read the story Zacchaeus was never the same because if you read the story in Luke 19 the song that Adam and the men sang he changed that day and his change was evidenced by a change of heart because before Jesus left after they had eaten and had their talk and conversation before Jesus left Zacchaeus said hey listen Everything I've took wrongly, everything I've, if I've took four times too much, I'll, I'll, or if I've took too much, I'll repay it four times or 10 times, I'll just, I, I, you know, all of a sudden, those things lost their value when he found the pearl of great price. He saw Jesus. Don't let people keep you from seeing Jesus. But there's something else that can keep us from seeing the sun. Go with me to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, we're gonna pick up in verse 16. And behold, one came and said to Jesus, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why are you calling me good? There's nobody good but one, that's God. But if you will enter into life, keep your commandments. And the man said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, don't kill it, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and your mother and love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these things I've done from my youth up. Here was a good man. Here was a good moral man. And i tell you, Fred, for some of us, it's more difficult than others to be good, but it's hard to be good for me at times, okay? But here was a good moral man. And he, was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he wanted to know what it really took to, to be one that could be there, to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Jesus looks at him and he said, if you will be perfect, go and sell what you have, give it to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he left Sorrowful, for I had a lot of possessions. People will, kill, will keep you from seeing the Son of God, and possessions can keep us from seeing the Son of God. Here, it was a multitude of possessions, and as this, as this good man stood there before Jesus, and as this good man was, was, was looking and saying, what do I need to have eternal life? And as Jesus said to him, you need to go sell all you have. now." I've, I've often thought, wow, I, I, I thought this guy got a bum ramp. I, I mean, we don't see Jesus telling everybody that wants to follow him, go sell everything you have and follow me. Although, just, the, just a little bit later, the disciples look and say, Jesus, we've, we left, we've left everything to follow you. We've left our families. We've left our jobs. We've left our security. What's in it for us? They ask him basically that. What's in it for us? As Jesus tells this young man to go sell what he have. The young man, we see the young man, and I can see in his mind this, this scales, and I can see he's weighing everything that he has. And the Bible says he had a lot of stuff. He had great possessions. He had great possessions, and he's weighing that against the opportunity to give it all up to follow this, to follow Jesus. And all of a sudden, in his own mind, the things and the possessions just outweighed the unknown of following him. B.J. Thomas came out with a song several years ago. Talked about loving people and using things, or loving things and using people. Let me just, while we're talking about possessions, sometimes it's the, sometimes, if I can say it, sometimes it's not the possessions we have. You may be here this morning and say, Jerry, I ain't. I ain't got all that. I'm, I'm, I'm not rich. Sometimes it's not the possessions we have, but it's the possessions that we're seeking. And sometimes it's that, it's that, it's that motivating factor that drives us and pushes us long hours long hours on the job, long hours away from home and with this, with this dream that one day we're gonna have it all and when we get what we need to be sufficient, then we'll, then we'll follow God, then we'll uh, get our family together, then we'll have family times. As I was reminded this morning, first service, that's kinda like chasing that rabbit. It, it, it's, a, it's a rabbit, right? It's the greyhound tracks. I've been there witnessing and I've been there betting, but some, some of you have probably been there witnessing with me. Um, isn't, isn't it a greyhound? I mean, isn't it a rabbit? They put a rabbit, or a, and I think, it, I think it's a, a, huh? At a rabbit on a stick. See, somebody's been there. No, I'm just messing with you. But, and, and the thing about it is, it's not even real. I don't think, right? Now, if you go to Clay Corners for the possum, I'm not even gonna go to the possum dog. But, but this rabbit at the, at the greyhound track, it's not even real, it's a, fa- it's a fake rabbit on a stick. And those greyhounds, man, they're a thing to watch. Uh, uh, Zach and, and Nicole have, have a, a greyhound, and she, when she runs she is, she's beautiful. she's graceful. Oh man, she can cover ground. But these greyhounds go after that rabbit. They never catch it. And they never get anywhere because they end up back where they started. But now and I look at that and I think, "Well what a, how dumb can you be? Same rabbit every week, nobody ever catches it, but here they go, and they can't get anywhere this thing. But now listen, think about it. Can't we be just as dumb? To pursue that which we can never have, which people tells us and the world tells us will bring happiness and will bring joy and will bring completeness and it's just an illusion and it goes in circles and we wear ourselves out and never get anywhere. Those kind of illusory possessions can keep us from seeing who he is. It's not only ones we may have that can hinder us but it's the ones that we are pursuing after don't let people keep you from seeing jesus man if you need to if you need to find another crowd to run with or if you need to do something drastic like climb a tree whatever it takes you want to see him you won't be disappointed (laughs) don't let possessions those you have or don't you those you may be seeking keep you from seeing the Son in all His glory. There's one other thing. We're gonna go back to to Matthew chapter 18. Or Luke, I'm sorry, not Matthew, but Luke chapter 18. We had two 19s and an 18, so it was great this morning. It was easy for me to keep up with. Just gotta remember what book they're in. But Luke 18. The third thing that we need to, I believe, really be aware of, and it's Luke 18, we're gonna pick it up with verse nine. And Jesus spoke this parable specifically to those who trusted in their own goodness. King James says, to those who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. What did I did I what have I got this? is that what I got there? I didn't remember. Wow. Now this is <laughs> Jesus spoke this to those who trusted themselves that they were good. And despise others. This is, one of the, this is one of those times in a sermon where you nudge your spouse. And you say, the preacher's talking to you. <laughs> this is one of those things, though, that we often think he's not talking to me. He's talking to somebody else. Okay? Because, because that wouldn't be me. Let's see what it says. Two men went into the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a Republican. One was a religious leader. The other was a despised tax collector. Boy, the tax collectors are really getting the publicity today in this sermon, aren't they? Publican, not Republican. I remember, you got to remember this. For those of you who don't know, I, I loved it. It's Basil Ford, good, neat guy the Lord sent to be with us for, many, for several years at House of Prayer. The Lord's blessed us with some unique but special people. He really has. Basil was one of those. And I remember one Sunday, something was, I said something about this portion of scripture about the, about the public and praying himself. Basil was sitting on the front row, and it was probably about October at that time, and Basil, Basil hollered out, Republican. <laughs> and I'm trying to get my hand on their mouth, and half the congregation said amen before I could do a thing about it. And we were, no, I'm just messing with you. No, we really didn't. So Jesus, Jesus says, okay, these two guys went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, one was a, was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men are extortioners, not fair, adulterers, even like this tax collector over here. God, I I fast twice in a week and I give a tithe of everything I own to you. Verse 13 says, And the publican stood, stood far off, would not so much as lift up his eyes into heaven. Now, when I read that, And I don't want to put words in 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 the Lord's mouth. That's for sure. But when I read that, I think Jesus is saying, and and the publican couldn't even look up. And the implication to me is that here is the religious leader looking up. God, I'm so glad of what you've done. You know, I'm so glad of who I am. And and look at look at me. I look at God. He was looking up, but he wasn't seeing, was he? He was looking around. He was comparing. We need to be careful because pride will keep us from seeing the Son of God. And Jesus said that the, the publican wouldn't even look up and he kind of he he, beat, he just just smites his, his his chest and he cries out saying, God, be merciful to me a sinner. And Jesus said, I'll tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The publican went down justified rather than the Pharisee. And Jesus says, for everyone that exalts himself will be humbled. And he that humbles himself will be exalted. I think, I I just, pride is seeing ourselves in a good light and seeing everybody else in a bad light. Here, this man can look around, and, and, and listen, most of us, most of us, if we aren't careful, we try to look around and compare, and, and we, I'm, 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 I'm not any worse than he is. may not be better, but I'm, and we look at this, and, and we try to get a, a better eye on ourselves, and we can't see the Son of God when we're comparing ourselves with other people, or when we're trusting, notice who he said this to, you'll never see the Son of God when you're trusting your own goodness to reveal His face. And he looked up, if he really was looking up and he saw the Son of God, he would have realized he needed mercy. He would have realized that in the holiness of God, all our righteousness is like garbage. He he alone is holy. Wow. Don't let people, don't let possessions, and don't let pride Keep you from seeing Jesus. I've got tick, I've been tickled. Different, I, it don't take much to tickle me at times or just make me chuckle. But, and I understand. I understand that oftentimes people will say, well, why why do you why don't you a lot of times open the altar and ask for people to come to the altar? And I don't, I don't know. I, I grew up with that. Have, I, I have, there's everything good with that. There's everything good, but there's nothing wrong with that at all. I just, I just, and and that's how I was saved. Invitation was given, come to all to pray. I was under conviction. I knew at nine years old that if I died, I was going to hell. Hadn't killed anybody, hadn't cheated on my wife, hadn't done hard drugs. At nine years old, I was that good. But when God's word was opened and preached, I realized that I didn't measure up. I realized that no matter how good a nine-year-old boy I was, and I had memorized a lot of scripture at nine years old, again. But I realized I was lost, and I need, that I couldn't go to heaven because I'd been good enough. There are, day, there are people today that look and they think that, man, hell was created for bad people. Hell was not created for bad people, guys. Scripture makes it plain that hell was created for Satan and his demons. Every human soul that will spend eternity separated from a holy, loving God in hell will spend it there not because of how bad they were or how mean they are, but because they refuse to accept the gift of God, the free gift of His Son, Jesus Christ. For Scripture makes it very clear that the wages of sin is death And we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. Matter of fact, Scripture's clear in Romans 3.10 that there's none of us that's righteous. No, not one of us, not one of us good enough. The prophet Isaiah would say it this way. The prophet Isaiah would say that all our goodness, all our righteousness is just like filthy rags before a holy God. Now, we're talking about pride. Let me, let me, the same way with possessions. Let me, let me do a flip side here if I can. And that's what I call false pride. False pride. To me, false pride are those people that say, I have done too much. I've sinned too much. I had a guy one time, family had been praying for him. I was a young Christian. I was a young, I was a young guy, so I knew everything then, okay? I was amazed how much I knew then. Uh, and I could tell you how much I knew. But this, this guy's family and they came to me and wanted me to go talk to him. I went and talked to the guy and he said, Jerry he said, don't, don't even, there's no need talking to me. You're wasting your time. I've murdered and he told me the person, I spent, I spent time for it, but, I, but I've murdered this person and there's no forgiveness for me. Now I'd love to tell you that I told him about the apostle Paul and I told him about others in scripture but it would be later before that man would ever come to salvation. But there are those, and Satan will use this, and Satan will, will have people say, I'm not good enough. I've done too many bad things. Jerry, you don't know how much bad. If you knew how much bad I'd done, nobody would like me, nobody would love me. And besides all that, God knows it all, and he, don't, he can't love me. I don't even like myself. And I want to tell you this by the grace of God and the mercies of God. When you don't like yourself, when no one else around you seems to be caring about you, you have a God in heaven, and you have a Son of God, Jesus Christ that loves you and died for you and gave his life for you because you are worthy of his love and grace. That's the mercies and the glory and the grace of our God. Don't you let false pride say to you, I ain't good enough. Because the God that I know and the God that I see in his son Jesus Christ specializes, specializes in those cases, because those people have such a testimony. Look at the Apostle Paul. You know what? God, I believe God loves it. Jackie has a way of saying it. Jackie says it this way: God's building a testimony in that person, and I love that because that's exactly what happens. Because where sin was great, what does Scripture say? Where sin was great, grace was greater. Oh my goodness! Don't let pride keep you from seeing the Son of God. He can do it. I don't have the big clock back there. They're cooking dinner, they're doing a good job. They got fans blowing it out. I said, don't blow it up this way this morning, please. They got fans blowing it out. But as we close, I wanna go with me to Job chapter 19. I told you we had a lot of 19s and 18s. Job chapter 19 this morning, we're gonna end up there. And I know that I told first service I was closing and it was several minutes later. You know how that is, just pray for preachers when they lie about stuff like that. They, they don't do it intentionally. Or just, or just say, we're in, a, we're in a landing pattern. Okay, we're a landing pattern. Sometimes you get on hold. Job 19. Situation with Job. We've talked about people, we've talked about possessions, we've talked about pride. And here's, here's, here's Job, and, and you know the story of Job. Here's Job, Job at very possibly, could be among the among the, the wealthiest of the people of his day. He was rich in possessions. He had cattle, he had sheep, he had oxen, he had all he had property. He had a family. He had a large family, and they were they were they were on their way to being just like daddy. They were awesome. Job was a good man. He loved God. Job was a great man, he had great possessions, and Job was a respected man in the community. People looked at Job and they say, Lee's got the blessings of God on him. Look, this is what it looks like when God chooses to bless a man. Look at Job. Look at Job. You wanna be blessed by God, be like Job. And then, in a brief span of time, crazy storm blew in, kills all his kids. One day, and then raiders begun rustling. They, they, they steal his cattle, they steal his, his possessions, kill some of his workers, take his possessions. And then on top of all that, as this is going on and the news is coming like, like uh, the waves of the ocean, you know, just like bananas in bunches. Here's another, and he's, he's, but this time Job is afraid to look, see who's coming up the window because all they've got is bad news. All he's heard is bad news. Your kids have died. Your cattle's been stolen. Your servants have been killed. And then what happens on top of all that? His health. He loses health. And I just tell you, when I read this, You'll know how weird, and you'll know how to pray for your pastor, because I think of us, of the scene from *Prince's Bride*, when the guy's telling the prince, "After all, if you don't have your health, you don't have anything." I, that is so warped, and I, I, I try to put that thought captive when I'm here. But Job, now in the midst of all that, Job has been afflicted from head to toe. And, I, and I've shared with you, and some of you know, some of you deal with this, but the, the what happens when you are under constant pain day in and day out wears you down like nothing else. I can work, I can, I've, I grew up working now for the last, for the last 30 something years I've pastored the house of prayer. But and Pastor Honake and I, we, we, we joke about this because we were, we were moving Ernie, I think it was some of Ernie and Selma's stuff one time, this is Bill's mom and dad and they've gone home to be with the Lord now. But I, I think about it, we, we crack up and, uh, and uh, Bill's had a brother and Bill and I were both preaching by this time and pastoring here at the church. And uh, Ernie wanted to know if we could help him move some stuff and he said, he said after all, he said, my other son works. <laughs> and uh, we, we, just, we, just, we just joke about that. Yeah, you can, I can work, we can work, I can work, but there's something about pain and just losing your pain. I mean, feeling pain and, and not knowing when it's gonna end. And with Job, he lost his family, he's lost his wealth, his possessions, he's lost his health. And on top of all that, the wife that he loved, the mother of, his, of these kids that, that they've had, the one he loved dearly and no doubt loved him. And she looks at Job in the midst of all this and she said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die? You know what she was saying? She was saying, Job, if this is how the God that you serve repays you, you've been faithful to him, you've loved him, you've tried to teach your children the right about worshiping him, Job, you've honored him in everything you've done, and if this is how he's going to treat you with taking it all away and afflicting you like this, why don't you look up and shake your fist in his, head, in his face and curse him and die? It'd be better to be dead, Job, than to be the laughingstock and everybody running around and say, well, you must have sinned. And listen, Job, 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 he 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 struggled with this. <laughs> if you've ever been there, some of you've been there. You've been there where, where things happen and you're saying, "Okay, God, what's going on here?" And you start trying to figure out and confess and sins. Job had confessed every sin he thought he'd ever done. Lord, Lord, if I've done this wrong, if I've done that wrong, you know, hey, if this is, if that's the reason that what, this is what's happened to me, you don't, don't want to know. I, I love you. I'm sorry. And still, so Job is in the midst of of one of the hardest times of his life. And, and, and and, And it's in those times like that that can make you go back to the basics of what you believe and who you believe. And I just believe this. If the God that I share with you Sunday after Sunday if the God that I share with my family, that I, that I love and that I give my life to, he can do what he wants to in me. I'm, he ain't got much to work with, but he can do whatever he wants to. If that, if that God is not worth dying for, you know, being there and trusting him in those dying hours, I don't wanna try to try and just lie and try him when I'm alive. I want a God that's gonna, that I can trust when the sun is darkened and when there's no light. Even in the midst of apocalypse or whatever it is, that's the God I want to trust, and that's where Job was. Job nineteen, verse twenty-five. Listen to what Job says about seeing the Son of God. For I know that my Redeemer lives. Now I love this. Job has gone through again. Job has went through this process. He's been in the crucible. He's, he's he, not only with, with, with kids, <clears throat> with possessions. Let me get a sip of this. I apologize for that. And, and if you're speaking and do that, don't ever, don't, don't think what I'm saying. But I used to, as a kid, used to think when see a preacher do that, and I think, man, I'd like to have a drink of that. <laughs> Just hang on, it won't be long. He had went through all this, and Job could have said, I believe God. I know God lives. But I love the way Job says this. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. Job, Job by faith, was looking beyond the sufferings and the afflictions <clears throat> and the separations and everything that was happening to him at that moment to a time when he would be redeemed and rescued and made whole. And he said, that's my Redeemer. And I know he lives. Let's, let's look and close it up. And that my redeemer shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold him and not another. I will see him, Job said, and I'll see him with my own eyes. This morning... God has done everything and continues to do everything more than sufficient enough for us to see Him. And we see Him when we see the Son, His Son, the Son of God. You don't have to have special glasses. You just see Him through the lens of faith in your heart. He loves you. There's always gonna be a crowd that'll try to keep you from seeing Him. There's always gonna be possessions that'll be clamoring for your attention. And there'll be this big pride that'll get in your way if you allow it. But don't let people, don't let possessions and don't let pride keep you from seeing the sun. There's a, there's a course, the course of the course. I was, I was thinking about this this week and when, when, I, when I read this in Job, and when I was thinking about what God had laid on my heart, I ended up, I, I started singing this. And I said, man, I'm gonna ask Craig do I, to get that. Stand with me. Craig, you got to turn your eyes upon Jesus. Yeah. That's the course of it you know. Sing with me. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Do something with me. Just close your eyes. It's not the eclipse. We just closed our eyes. Close your eyes. And now through the eyes of faith within you, see him. See him hanging on a cross. And see him looking down with the look of love in his eyes and saying, I did this for you. But the eyes of faith, see him and see him with the standing beside her, the open tomb, and with a look of triumph on his face, and see him again saying, I did this for you. Now, with those glasses on and with your eyes closed, sing with me again this chorus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Right where you are, with your eyes still closed, but with those glasses of faith on. Let me pray. God, thank You. Thank You, Lord, for what a, what a privilege and a unique opportunity that You're allowing all of us Lord, if, time, if you tarry, you're coming till tomorrow to see this eclipse. What a story. What, a, what an adventure. But Lord, a lot of people are going to be coming to look and see the time when the sun was darkened in the middle of the day. But we're so aware this morning that your son can be seen anytime by faith we look to him. But there are things that will keep us from seeing him. There's people, all kinds of people. Lord, if there's those here this morning that people, the crowd, the people they've been hanging around, the group they've been associating with are hindering them seeing Jesus. Make them bold this morning. Lord, would they look to you and say, I want to be like Zacchaeus. I'll risk humiliation. I'll risk exposure. I'll risk being made fun of, but I got to see Jesus. I got to know who he is. You won't be disappointed. And Lord, there's Also, this illusion of things and possessions, either the great possessions that we possess or the desire for those great possessions that is driving us and pushing us and motivating us for more and more that'll never be satisfied apart from you. Lord, may we not be as the young, good man who left grieving because he had a lot of things that he couldn't turn loose of. Lord, let us not hang on with clenched fist that's which you delight in bestowing upon us. Don't let us let possessions hide your face. And Father, if there are those here that pride has caused them to be trusted in their own goodness and their own righteousness, as this religious leader was. Lord, I pray that this morning your Holy Spirit of God would would speak to us, would speak to our hearts. And let us understand and make no mistake about that. Scripture says, and he that comes to me, Jesus said, I will in no wise cast out. And your word says in James that you resist the proud, but you give grace to the humble. So Father, this morning, whether it's pride or possessions or people, whatever it is that may be hindering us seeing you clearly, we lay that at your feet. We agree with you. And we proclaim with Job that the one we serve, though right now may be dark, though right now may be hard, though right now may be painful, though right now may be unexplainable, though right now may be out of our control, yet by faith we have a redeemer. And Lord, we will see him. We look to you and we see him. We see your son, Jesus Christ, who loved us and gave himself for us. Lord, may we be witnesses of that tremendous occasion of when we saw the Son. In your name I pray. Amen.